If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnBest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. You have Alexa Von Tobel, and this week, I have an amazing entrepreneur, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop which has developed the next-gen wearable technology for optimizing human performance. Will started Whoop in 2012, immediately after graduating from Harvard College, where he finished top 10% of his class and he was captain of the varsity squash team. Since then, Whoop has raised over $100 million in venture funding, grown to past 150 employees, and saw 7x membership growth last year in 2019 alone. Whoop has long been used by professional athletes, Olympians, and the U.S. military, and more recently released its first consumer product. Hi, Will. I'm so excited to have you, especially since you and I have a lot in common. Um, welcome. So excited to have you today. Hi, Alexa. Thanks for having me. And uh, let me also say I'm a big fan of your career and all the success that you've had. So thank you for having me. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. But I feel like we're going to be watching you for a long time do some great things. Um, so Will, let's just dive right in. First, I'm a wearable junkie. I love my Whoop. Um, big, big fan. Uh, I just want to, for everybody out there listening, what's Whoop in your own words? So our mission at Whoop is to unlock human performance. We effectively believe that every individual has an inner potential that you can tap into if you can better understand their bodies and their behaviors. And that includes daily feedback around the strain that you're putting on your body, how, how, how your body's recovering, and especially how your body is sleeping. And all of those things lead towards uh, you know, various behavior improvements and performance enhancements. Um, as a wearable junkie, I will say I'm obsessed with my Whoop. Uh, part- particularly, I just feel like if you can have the data, why not have the data? Um, I want to wa- um, I want to step back and go back to 2012 and you deciding to come up with the idea, get the company up and off the ground. Walk us through those early days of bringing Whoop into reality. Yeah, I mean, it probably starts even a couple of years before that. I was playing squash while I was at Harvard, and I felt like I didn't know what I was doing to my body while I was training. So I had always been into sports and exercise, but I was someone who used to overtrain. Overtraining is where you effectively are getting fitter and fitter and fitter, and then all of a sudden you fall off a cliff. And it's sort of the ultimate betrayal. And I felt like there should be a better way to prevent this and you should be able to anticipate that you're overtraining. And in the process, I got interested in, okay, well, what would it take to train optimally? How could you prevent injuries? How does sleep and recovery fit into the equation? And I was a government concentrator actually at Harvard, but I ended up doing a ton of physiology research while I was in school. I read something like 500 medical papers 
and uh, and I ultimately wrote a paper myself around how to continuously understand the human body. And that paper was titled The Feedback Tool, How to Measure Intensity, Recovery, and Sleep. And I wrote that in 2011. Now, fast forward almost 10 years later, that's exactly the feedback that we're delivering to users. So I would say that early on, it was much more of a passion a personal passion to understand the human body than it was sort of a, a business plan for, uh, you know, I think wearable tech is a hot space or I think there's a big business opportunity. It was much more this focus on solving a personal problem. And I didn't know that I was going to start a company as an undergraduate. In some ways, it was just it became an inevitability because it was all I was thinking about. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate in in the process of doing a lot of research and then founding the company, I was able to meet a couple other people to help me kick it off the off the ground. Um, John Catalupo, in particular, was was really helpful. He's our chief technology officer and a co-founder, and he was doing um, a ton of math and uh, data science research while I was at Harvard. But as it turns out, his father was also an exercise a, a professor of exercise physiology. And so we had a lot of overlap around physiology, and he had the technical chops to do some things from a sensing standpoint that hadn't been done before. And I had a vision for how to build a product for coaches and athletes and beyond. And so in 2012, we started working out of the Harvard Innovation Lab, and we were kind of off for the races. Um, I always joked that when I was there that I wish that Innovation Lab had more money and more support so that great companies could come out of it um, because, unfortunately, I had to drop out of business school uh, to be able to go start something because just the infrastructure um, wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. So it makes me so happy that you got to go and um, do some of the things and that uh, Harvard gave you that uh, community. That makes me thrilled. Um, so I want to talk. Uh, right now, Whoop is used by Navy SEALs, CrossFit athletes, approved by the MLB, um, how did you get to nail those customer segments? That is such a, I mean, an incredibly rare achievement to be able to get such su supreme physical specimens to start using your tool early. And I can only imagine just the data and the insights that that really helped you get back as you were tuning the product. So one, talk about how you got those people. And then two, talk about how you thought about product development to develop the best product out there. You know, that's a great question. I mean, I think the first few years of Whoop were really dedicated towards building this technology. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, we felt like we would never be able to afford to pay athletes to wear our product. But if we could actually build something that could tell them how recovered they were or how well they slept or and actually help them improve, that they, in fact, would pay us to wear it. And so that was just a sort of a strong conviction point of view that we had really early on in building the business. And it forced us to build technology that was going to be valuable to the groups that you just mentioned. And uh, in 2015, you know, two of our first hundred users were people like LeBron James and Michael Phelps. So we did start at the very tip of this pyramid. And at the time, those guys were at really their, their peak. And so it was validating for us that, okay, athletes of this caliber could get value out of this product, even though at the time it had all sorts of issues as a technology. Um, its battery life wasn't long enough and it was a little too big and you had to, you know, charge it too often. So, uh, that for us was quite validating, but in a lot of ways it also just, it helped build the, the sort of the tip of the pyramid in that if you're able to work with athletes of that caliber, 
you know, what's to say you can't be the first product approved in Major League Baseball or uh, we ultimately became the official recovery wearable of the NFL Players Association. So we're distributed now to every player in the NFL, um, you know, the Navy SEALs. It's it's kind of an amazing um, it's amazing thing to look back on. But in the moment, it, it felt very logical because the technology that we were building was, in fact, most valuable for these people. Got it. Um, so for everybody out there who's like, a, you know, a normal consumer attempting to go to the gym four days a week, um, talk a little bit about <clears throat> what makes Whoop. And I'll just say I have some friends that are like diehard Whoop fans. Uh, I appreciate um, that. Uh, truly. And I would just love for you to tell me, um, just in your own words, what makes Whoop different than the Fitbit, the Aura Ring? How do you dissect the differences? Well, I would say the biggest difference is that we have a real focus excuse me, on data and accuracy. So we collect data across five different metrics, 50 to 100 times per second. In a given day, that's about 1,000 to 10,000 times as much data as a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. So it's just a huge focus on data. And mind you, there's a lot of trade-offs that come with that. For example, um, you know, our hardware is really just a small sensor. It, it doesn't have a screen on it. Um, it's not going to let you call an Uber or make a phone call. But what it's really phenomenal at is collecting accurate data. And that in turn drives a system that gives you actionable feedback. One criticism I had of any wearable technology um, that had been on the market was it, it, it seemed to focus on what already happened. And it didn't focus as much on what should you do next. And the way that Whoop is designed is to live a step ahead of you. So, for example, you wake up in the morning with this idea of a recovery score, and from zero to 100% red, yellow, green, it's telling you how prepared is your body to perform for the day. And so if you have a high recovery, Whoop will encourage you to take on strain, take on more stress. You're more prepared for the day, and it'll even recommend what activities you should do in that process. If you're run down, Whoop is actually the first fitness product to tell you not to exercise at all. And what that does is it helps you figure out what's right for you in a given day. Now, over the course of the day, Whoop is going to automatically measure the strain that accumulates. That could be in the form of activities, exercise, daily stress. Um, and then at the end of the day, we look at the stress that you've put on your body and we look at who you are, Alexa, and we say, okay, based on all this information, this is how much sleep you need for tonight to recover for tomorrow. And so, again, it's designed to be living a step ahead of you to tell you what to do to improve. And the last thing I'll say is that the whole concept of sleep and recovery, I think, is a very fundamental thing that we're introducing to the consumer market. You know, I think that at this point, consumers have largely realized that steps is not a very important metric. It's sort of irrelevant. And sleep is becoming the new steps where you recognize that if you can get more slow wave sleep, more REM sleep, you can perform at a higher level as an individual. And I don't care whether you're an athlete or you're uh, just an executive who wants to perform better in his or her daily job, or even you're a new mom, right? Getting sleep is going to be critical for the way that you function. Um, one of the things I, first of all, um, I think that's the thing I like most about Whoop is, and I am, so I have three little kids, which is, by the way, essentially like the antithesis of sleep. Um, and for me, sleep has never been clearer or more valuable, and I feel like the fact that Whoop can tell me what kind of sleep I need is incredibly valuable as somebody who just often takes too much of a beating, which is obviously not great. Um, but I wanted to transition to your view on sleep. And, you know, as somebody myself who's 
passionate about learning about sleep, reading about sleep. And I even, when I was an undergrad, worked in the sleep lab. I, I did part of an experiment in the sleep lab. Um, how do you think the world has changed on sleep? And what's your personal view on sleep as somebody who's clearly far more informed than the average person? Well, I think in general, the way that uh, society talks about sleep is fairly shallow. It's like everyone sort of says, well, I know I should get more sleep, but I can't do it. And in fact, there's just a lot more nuance to the way that you can think about sleep. And, and by the way, optimize around your needs and your life. I generally believe as well that you can only really manage what you measure. So if you think it's important to understand a, roughly a third of your life, you need to be able to measure things against it to manage it. And so that's where measuring sleep in itself is quite critical. Now, within sleep, people need to understand that the amount of time you spend in bed doesn't actually equal the hours of sleep that you get. And within the hours of sleep that you get, there's different stages that have different value on your body. So within hours of sleep, there's the notion of time that you're awake, there's the time that you're in light sleep, there's the time that you're in slow wave sleep, and then there's time you're in REM sleep. And in particular, slow wave sleep and REM sleep have a dramatically more important effect on your body. So people think they get stronger in the gym or they get stronger working out. In fact, that's a period where you're breaking your muscles down. You get stronger by repairing your muscles. And slow wave sleep is actually where your body produces about 95% of its human growth hormone. So if you're getting 20 minutes of slow wave sleep a night versus two hours. And by the way, that's a very normal spectrum that people can go from. You can go from getting 20 minutes to get, getting two hours by changing a few things about your life. Um, that's a dramatically different effect on how your body's going to feel. Now, separately, REM sleep is when your, your mind is repairing itself. That's when you're dreaming. And for people listening to this who say they don't dream, that means you're probably not getting appropriate amounts of REM sleep. And REM sleep is going to dramatically improve your cognitive function. Again, you could be getting zero minutes of REM sleep a night, or you could be getting an hour to three hours of REM sleep a night. And mind you, that doesn't change how long you've spent in bed. That's just how can you optimize the time that you're spending in bed. So what WHOOP does is it's able to measure these different periods of time. Uh, in fact, just a week ago, we were um, third-party validation came out showing that WHOOP is the most accurate wrist-worn, non-invasive monitor for sleep. And uh, thus, we measure these periods quite accurately. And so we can help you understand, okay, do I have an issue with slow-wave sleep? Do I have an issue with REM sleep? Is it really just a question of how much time I spend in bed? And you kind of build from there. So, okay, I want to ask you a question. So um, as a WHOOP user, uh, let's say I'm getting moderate of both. What are the tactical things that I can do to make them better? Sure. So one very straightforward thing is this concept of sleep consistency. So sleep consistency is going to bed and waking up at the same time. And what you'll, what you'll find in the medical literature is they did a study on sleep consistency versus duration. And this was the National Institute of Health. And they found that in looking at um, 100 students, the only factor that correlated directly with their GPA was not actually how long they spent in bed, but it was the degree of sleep consistency. So when they went to bed and when they woke up being the same every night was a huge predictor of how high their GPA was. Now, we since took that analysis and we ran it across 7 million sleeps. Uh, 
And we found in that process that actually, indeed, the people who had gone to bed and woken up at a similar time over the previous three nights indeed had higher heart rate variabilities, lower resting heart rates, more REM sleep, more slow wave sleep. So what we've since done is we introduced in our sleep coach, and this is within the Whoop app, feedback that helps you go to bed and wake up at a consistent time period. Because if you can just do that, right, independent from how long you spend in bed, you're already now starting to optimize for the quality of sleep that you get. And that's just one little life hack. Now, there's so many different things to consider in terms of optimizing your sleep. I'll give you some that work for me. Um, one is uh, uh, I like to take um, magnesium on days that I've exercised. That makes my muscles repair a little bit. I like to take melatonin sometimes if my, I feel like my, my brain is still awake and I'm having a little trouble shutting my mind off. Melatonin helps you fall asleep quicker. I like to sleep in a very cold room. I've found about 65 degrees is optimal for me. Uh, super important to have a very dark room. I also wear a sleep mask on top of that, which I've seen benefits from. Um, I'm totally laughing time. right now because everything he's saying, I like sleep in a cave. <laughs> Our room is 60 degrees. My husband's like yep. a sleep ninja. Um, and I so it's appreciate so it. Right? Yeah. I think just as a culture, we're just starting to begin to really properly embrace how critical sleep is to well-being and to longevity of life. Yeah. And I don't think people realize the degree to which it's like it's not a profound overhaul as much as it is actually just slight tweaks that all of a sudden make you feel like five, 10% better, right? Absolutely. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Cardin knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Um, I want to touch on something, but it's it's so clear just in how passionate you are about talking about Whoop. Um, you have said that Whoop's a data company. It's not really a wearables company. And even in the way you talk about 7 million sleeps and how you've been able to run, and it, it's so clear to me that you care so much about the quality of what Whoop is creating for your customers. Tell us a little bit about how you think about the data, the analytics, and then I want to shift to just how the business models evolved and, and, and how you think about the future. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean- I would say that quality is one of the number one things that we want to deliver to the market. And that's what we strive to do every day. And the reason we think of ourselves as a data company is that we don't think of solving human performance as a one-time shot. It's not like you buy this thing on day one and then your performance is unlocked. It's a long process of understanding your body and making tweaks. And by the way, your life changes. You get a new job, you're in a new relationship, you're in a new city, you're on the road, you're stressed, you're not stressed, your family changes, you have kids, you don't have kids. I mean, it's an evolution, right? Like we're here for a long time, hopefully, right? And so what does it take to optimize these different periods of your life? And that's where looking at data 
not just over one day, but over three days, seven days, 30 days, a year, two years, more, is where you can actually create unbelievable amounts of value for the end customer. And you mentioned our business model. It ties directly to our business model because we believe it's our responsibility to deliver value to you every single day. It's not a one-time shot. We need to be delivering value to you every day. And as a consequence, we actually don't sell Whoop as hardware, even though it includes hardware. Whoop is just a subscription. And you can pay anywhere from $18 to $30 a month and get everything I'm describing included. And the powerful thing is if that you feel we haven't delivered value for you this month, you can just cancel, right? And so what that does is it forces us as a company, as a business, and as a team to be constantly delivering value. We have to be releasing new features. We have to be thinking about how all of this information is relevant for you. And we have to be thinking about that across lots of different populations. And... Um, I think in some ways it's a much harder business model than charging you $400 or $500 up front, but it creates a much stronger relationship with our customers and it forces us to deliver the value that we've set out to deliver. I love that. I mean, really at its core, it's alignment, right? It's pure alignment yeah. with your customers, um, which is a, a great way to ensure that you stay in business, which is constantly keeping customers happy. Um, you've raised $100 million from incredible people, including the likes of a Kevin Durant and the Jack Dorseys. How have you thought about fundraising as you thought about the Whoop business and in the future of the business? Well, I think uh, you have to consider when you're starting a business, is this a business that can be bootstrapped or is this a business that's going to require uh, you know, spending a lot of capital in order to chase some future dream or mission. And for us, it was very much the latter because we had to build uh, hard technology, right? Um, and in a lot of ways, it, it was going to take years to build that technology. So we had to find investors who I think believed in the bigger vision and wanted to take a huge swing on this. And uh, I would say that probably the most important thing I've looked for in investors is that they share the same mission and vision as me and the rest of, of my team at Whoop. Uh, you know, along the way, you may find investors who want to give you money, but they've got a different point of view on, on what you should do with it. And I think it's important to remember that, uh, you know, your investors are like, it's more than a marriage because you can't get divorced. I mean, they're on your cap table forever. So you want to really make sure there's a lot of alignment uh, up front in that process. And so that's what I've looked for. I, I'm just laughing because you're 100% right. Um, so yeah. I, I want to transition and you teed me up perfectly, which is I want you as somebody who's clearly now spent almost a decade just obsessively thinking about the data that we can consume as individuals to make our lives better and healthier and have better performance. How do you think about the next decade? And so I want to ask two questions, which is one, which is the future of Whoop. So let's start there. As you said, you looked for investors who had alignment to the vision that you have. Where do you think Whoop's going to be in five to 10 years? Not from like a numbers perspective, more from a what do you think that the 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 vision that the goal that you have as a business and as you think about individuals, where's that headed? Well, we want Whoop to own human performance. So if a consumer asks himself or herself, what do I need to do to improve my performance at blank? They think of Whoop. And what that is is it's it's tying together 
an understanding of your body and your physiology, and it's an understanding of everything else in your life as well, behaviors, diet, products. And we want to have an understanding of how all those things connect and relate and affect you and be able to provide feedback around that. You know, it's interesting. I think if you had asked yourself that question 10 years ago, you know, who's going to own the future for human performance, you probably would have said a big sports apparel brand, right? Like Nike or Under Armour or Adidas or Puma, right? Um, and what's been interesting is in the in the past decade, those companies have have really struggled with building technology. It's clear that it's not in their DNA. Um, and then if you look at sort of the other side of the coin, which is uh, big technology companies, you know, the Apples and Googles and and, uh, you know, Fitbits of the world, those are companies that are historically great at building technology, but potentially have less of a lens for grounding it in performance. And for us at Whoop, that's where we think of that lane for human performance. It's sitting between these gargantuan companies on one side, which is in sports apparel, and in the other, which is in technology. And in a lot of ways, our mission is to, to marry the best assets of a Nike and of an Apple as we think about owning human performance. I love it. Um, when you fast forward 10 years and as you think about wearables, you know, people get to the point where they're like, we're going to have little devices in our body. So this is nothing to do with Whoop. As you just think about a decade out, 15 years out, and what could be possible, just what goes through your head when you like sit there and dream about how much technology is going to constantly, I always say, gets faster, smaller, and closer to our body, and ultimately cheaper as well. But as that continues to happen, what do you think that's going to look like 10, 15, 20 years out, just in general, as we think about chips and devices? Well, I think it's inevitable that every human being at some point will uh, be monitoring their body 24-7 because it can it'll have unbelievable abilities to uh, drive health outcomes, performance outcomes, prevent illnesses, prevent diseases, uh, identify um, problems. And as you know, preventative medicine is so much more powerful than curative medicine. Yep. So the sooner you can figure things out about your body, the better. And so that to me is not a question of if, but when. And for Whoop, we are excited to play a role in that. I mean, it's, I think it's a brave new world. And, you know, in general, if human beings can imagine it, we can build it. And so, yeah, I think it's inevitable that over time things do end up inside of us. I think where Whoop is also trying to have a differentiated and, and you know, sort of important point of view is around privacy. Because we ultimately believe that you, the individual, should own this data about your body and under and understand and choose what is done with it. Um, you know, unlike a, a product like Facebook, where you as the user are the product, um, you know, at Whoop, the product is selling this membership and making sure that you're getting value from our membership. The product is not you. And so that empowers us to be... Uh, I think much more thoughtful about privacy and data security than other companies. And frankly, it's also in our DNA because, you know, starting with the, the athletes that we started with, I was on a lot of phone calls with lawyers and whatnot asking me, where's this data going and has it stored and whatever. And so in the process of building tech for sports leagues and different high-end sports organizations, we actually had to worry an enormous amount about data privacy. It's funny that you said that. Um, I was going to ask you a question. If you really think about it, you have probably some of the most private data about a person. 
not only their location, but also when they sleep, how they sleep, if they woke up. If you think about it, you know, as, as somebody who is, as I said, I've been obsessed with wearables since almost 2011 um, and have gone through every single device that exists. And I think, again, I'm really, really excited um, to be a Whoop user. Um, how do you think about it getting subpoenaed in like a court of law and like figuring out was somebody awake or not? Like, and you think about that. That's really at some point going to be something that we're going to have to tackle as society. Well, I think this has already happened uh, for Fitbit and previous cases. So there are examples of this. Uh, I would just say, again, it further enforces my belief that if you're providing data to someone, it has to be really accurate. And so in the case that you just described, you certainly want to make sure that if you said someone was asleep, that person was asleep or vice versa. You know, you're one of the rare ones who came right out of college swinging directly into entrepreneurship. Did you always know you were an entrepreneur? Was this really clear to you? Well, I definitely started Whoop not because I thought I was an entrepreneur, but because I wanted to solve a problem. And in general, I recommend uh, prospective founders to do that. Now, I think in the process of having built whoop at least as far as we've gone i've recognized that i am a, i am an entrepreneur uh but but i think i'm an entrepreneur because i was solving a specific problem and became obsessed with it i want to talk a little bit about like your own optimizing of performance so um you're you know you started as a really young ceo clearly you're doing an exceptional job what are your own rules so for everybody out there and keep in mind hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this are aspiring entrepreneurs they're the younger wills who want to go do it what did you learn about yourself that you had to do to be able to be a better ceo in terms of your own performance sleep physical whatever it may be what are your kind of will rules that keep you on the track there's this feeling when you start a company um, of comparing yourself to really well-known entrepreneurs and founders. Oh, this person raised $50 million. Oh, this person built this business. Oh, this person's speaking on stage. And I remember doing that myself when I was 22 years old. And to some degree, it being discouraging, right? And I think the important thing for people to realize is that those amazing people that you're seeing on stage didn't know any better than you did when they first started. They had to grow into it. And the most important thing is not to compare yourself as an entrepreneur to other entrepreneurs or other people out there. It's to think about how can I be a better version of myself? How can I get 1% better today? And, um, and so, so now reflecting back on it, I recognize that that wasn't necessarily the most healthy mindset um, of, of, you know, sort of doubting myself because of, of the perceived success of other founders or entrepreneurs. I would say another thing that I've wrestled with over the course of building the company is this degree to which you you hear feedback versus listen to it. I think in the early days, so many people told me that what I was doing was a bad idea or I was the wrong person to do it or I was going to fail that I sort of built up a a wall to hearing anything from people who disagreed with me. And what I've come to appreciate over time is that you don't um, necessarily need to listen to what everyone tells you, but you want to make a real point of trying to hear it and to digest it. And, um, and that's actually one of the most fundamental roles of not just being a founder, but really being a CEO is 
figuring out who to listen to and when and and sort of evaluating a lot of different points of view as you make a decision. I think that is probably the most important job of a CEO is to actually listen to every piece of input that comes in and then determine what to give weight to and not. Um, and I always say that I think the hardest thing for young CEOs, and keep in mind, I was I was uh, also, I was 23 when I started um, LearnVest, but uh, is actually learning to listen to the gnarliest and hardest feedback, the one that's going to like really punch you in your gut and really learn to listen because there's some incredible kernels of things that you need to do or know or get better at um, in there. And actually, I think your best friends are the people who give you the hardest advice. Those are the people who actually are looking after you. Um, I want to just quickly. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And it also ties to another really important thing, which is you need to learn how to manage uh, manage yourself and to manage the stresses of running a business and the challenges that come up. I, I read somewhere that, uh, uh, success is overcoming a level of stress that would break most people. And I love that. That's That's awesome. And that's obviously one particular lens on success. Um, but what's powerful about it, uh, you know, success is overcoming a level of stress that will break most people. What's powerful about that is it's really two things. One, it's it's that you actually have to take on stress. You have to put yourself in the way of these challenges um, in order uh, in order to be successful, right? It's not just stress avoidance or obstacle avoidance. You actually have to meet those challenges head on. And then two, it's that you have to figure out how to overcome them or deal with them or learn from them. Um, and so that's another thing that you want to try to build behaviors around that, that help you, um, manage for me personally, probably the most important has been, uh, learning how to meditate. Oh, I want to hear more about that. Give me, give us just, give us the quick 30 seconds on you and meditation. So I would say around 2014, I felt like I was failing as a CEO and I felt like I had kind of lost control of my my own personal management. And so I took a transcendental meditation course to sort of clear my mind and it was a four-day course. And I felt like at the time it was too expensive for, for what I was getting out of it, but there was a sunk cost and so I committed to doing it. And in short... Transcendental meditation teaches you a 22-minute practice where you're repeating a mantra over and over again. And what it's designed to do is help you filter thoughts. So I'm repeating this mantra, I'm repeating this mantra, I'm repeating this mantra. All of a sudden, this thought drifts into my mind. And what I get to do in that moment is I get to choose whether I'm going to go back to repeating my mantra or whether I'm going to focus on that thought. And what it does is it allows you to sort of create a um, filtering mechanism within your brain. And the byproduct of that is actually less so the meditation itself, but the way it it actually helps you throughout the rest of your day and your life in that I'll find now – in my day to day, I will all of a sudden be looking at myself in the third person. And rather than just reacting to something in the moment, I'll be taking a step back and recognizing to myself, oh, Will's about to get angry. What is Will about to say? And so you have this sort of thoughtfulness that um, at least previously I didn't have. So at least as a practice, that's something I recommend people to try. I'm loving Will as I get to know you. You have like a (laughs) 60-year-old mind in like a 30-year-old's body, um, which I think is is pretty apparent from this. Um, 
on the stress point, I once had somebody say to me, not all stress is bad stress. So much of stress is actually really healthy and productive stress as long as your mind can remember to process it properly. Often stress helps us do what we need to do to prepare for a challenge, prep to be able to pass the test, prepare for the big meeting, ensure that the hire gets hired, whatever it may be. But it really is about, and it's so funny as you talk about that third party, like I have developed similar mechanisms to you to be yeah, right. able to actually look outside of myself. And I've shifted to this weird new gear where it's finding joy in the things that I do and recognizing that it is a gift that I get to do the things I do. And I've worked really hard to be able to get to do these things. And it's just a mind, it's a subtle mindset shift, but you quickly end up far more in control of the negativity or the overwhelming stress to be able to say this whole thing every and also to begin to trust yourself that everything's going to work out because you're going to you know that you'll do whatever the heck it takes to make sure it works out yeah no um, and it's I just mean, a matter you're, you're of time and process right? yeah you're describing a process of gratitude and it's fascinating i have i have a a podcast called the whoop podcast where i interview like high performing individuals and the fascinating thread amongst them are the, the the number of which both meditate and have some kind of a gratitude practice. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I feel like I'm learning so much from you. And also it's funny because so much of this has been my own experience. So you're just stating things that I fully <laughs> agree with. Yeah. Um, I want to end on just a few quick things. Um, you know, I think it's and I appreciate your point. So for everybody out there listening, Will basically just told you he's a normal guy who worked really hard um, and that anybody is capable of, you know, envisioning something and then bringing it to reality as long as you're willing to do the hard work and the commitment. How much, and this is our kind of quick fire round, but the last kind of core question for you is how much do you think your own athletics, you were captain of the squash team, a D1 athlete, how much do you think, athletics has helped train you for this role today and what you're doing in that discipline? Well, it's interesting. Um, I think one advantage that athletes have over people that never play sports is that you're taught in practicing a sport that um, failure is a path forwards. So you get on court and you're not hitting uh, your drop shot well or whatever. I played squash, right? Um, okay, I have to keep hitting that drop shot over and over again to practice it because that's what I'm failing at. And it, it gets you, it creates, a, a, I think, a healthy framework for you at a young age that failure is a path to progress. And, um, and so that's probably the biggest thing that I would say I took from being an athlete. Um, there were some probably advantages to being parts of teams before trying to build a team, uh, you know, the idea of accountability, humility, intensity, some of the things that I think are pretty critical to building a team and, and being successful. Um, but beyond that, I think, I think, uh, I think those are the ma- major things. Um, I love it. Okay. Last, just few quick questions. Pinch me. What's your biggest pinch me moment at whoop so far where you're like, Holy shit. I can't believe that just happened. It's funny, uh, because we've worked with such high profile athletes, I'm often one of the last people to realize they're wearing it and they're on television. And I remember in 2015, I was watching um, an NBA game and there was a commercial for Kia 
and I'm watching this Kia commercial with LeBron James in it, and he's an astronaut about to launch into space. And I look at his wrist, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, is he wearing a whoop strap in this Kia commercial? <laughs> and sure enough, LeBron had his whoop strap on because he never took it off. So that was a real pitch me moment. Uh, the modern-day version of that is in golf, where we've recently exploded, and so getting to watch uh, professional golfers who I've never met wearing whoop as they march around the golf course is pretty cool, too. That is so much fun. Um, I want to ask, how many hours of sleep do you get each night? I get between six and eight hours of quality sleep. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean, and and like I almost screenshot it every day on my Instagram because we've got this feature called Whoop Live that lets you put data on photos. And sometimes I'll be in the five-hour range and Whoop members will scold me. You know, the one thing that I have really dialed in is making sure that the time I am asleep is really high quality. So even if I get five hours of sleep, you know, maybe three and a half or four hours of it might be REM and slow wave sleep, which for someone who got eight hours of sleep might still be more sleep, right? More quality of sleep. So that's where uh, I think understanding these things at a, at a sort of a granular level can be impactful. Got it. Um, okay, last question. Other than Whoop, I want you to pay it forward to another cool entrepreneur that you've heard about or early stage. So any product that you think is interesting that is early, early, early that you'd want to pay it forward and give that entrepreneur a shout out. Well, maybe this isn't for an early stage founder, but a product that I feel like I'm using all the time um, are Apple's AirPods. I know, I know that's not a, a young founder at work, but that to me was the first thing that came to mind. That's awesome. I, I love it. Um, Will, uh, for everyone out there, if you haven't already gotten Whoop, run, don't walk, go get it. Um, if you want to learn more about Whoop, check out whoop.com and you can join us next week for in the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. Thank you so much, Will, for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you. Alexa, this was fun. Thank you so much.